sorry. I was getting a bit confused. Well, that was easy, wasn't it? Negotiations are so good nowadays. Yeah. Uh, Don't to tell me, no. 25 years. Exactly. At least. At least 25 years. Same for me. If not a wee bit longer, actually. Oh, dear. If only it was a career. All right, see you tomorrow. That's Anthony Davis. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. Welcome along to a wet day. And the boiler's gone again. Well, no, I tell a lie, actually. It went yesterday. <laughs> I was doing the washing up, and I thought, that's a bit odd. It's, it's cold water. I'm getting used to cold water, actually, now. I feel like I'm living in a third-world country in Twickenham. And, uh, and then this morning, I braced myself. As per, I did all the usual things. I've started doing practically a rain dance around it, working on the assumption that if you do... S- yeah, woo, 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 woo. So I, I banged the side. I said to Gary on reception today, because he, he said he also had, had a combi. I think he was talking about the boiler. And, uh, and I, was, I said, you know, my, my parting shot was, well, you know, if mine continues to not function like this, I'll be round to your place. And he said, he said, the worst thing for me, he said, it doesn't bother me whether we have a cold shower or not. He said, but the girlfriend has got very long hair and she's got to wash it every day. She's got very, very long hair. The trouble is, if you've got very long hair, you don't need to wash the end of it. It's the top bit you need to wash every day because that's the bit that sort of gets the, the oil and all the rest of it. So anyway, so I braced myself this morning for the cold shower again, having banged the boiler on the side and sort of woo, 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 like that. And done the usual bit, turned it off at the plug, left it off for a minute, turned it back on again. I get in the shower this morning, I thought, right, go on, brace yourself, Stephen, you can do this. You can do this. For goodness sake, you're an adult. You're, thir- you're 37, and you can stand the So I start, you know, putting the... Oh, it's bloody cold. Oh, it's cold. It really is cold. No, I can do this. So I move it up my body to the middle bit. Very cold. And then all of a sudden it starts getting warm again. I thought, do you know, there is a God... And I'm sure he's up there having a bit of a laugh on a cloud. He's sitting there going, go on, I'm going to make you be very cold to start with, and I'm going to make it work. I mean, it's, I mean, to be honest with you, it must look quite funny, because I'm in the shower, and I, I wasn't sure whether to stand or kneel in the shower, because you think, if you kneel, there's less chance of getting cold. So I knelt. So I knelt. I haven't logged in, no. I'm going to log in now, actually. I'm just a bit slow this morning. I have to log in before uh, she can read anything next door, because she's a bit... Uh, Bit like that today. Uh, anyway, what else are we doing? Um, oh yeah, actually, well, I, I was talking to Anthony about the uh, the show, which is coming. In case you hadn't heard, which we're doing. Oh, blast! I've typed it in wrong now. Oh wait, wait, no, wait, 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 wait. Come back with me. Yeah, I'm gonna do it again. And um, and he he's he does all sorts of things in the in the first half. He's actually very very good, very good magician, and he did some really good stuff last time. Uh, and I'm feeling he's going to be popping up in the second half as well. In fact, I can tell you he's going to be popping up in the second half, I think, which is quite quite good. Little, it's it's sort of it's sort of you know I've got to that age now where I'm a bit of a statesman, you know, a little bit of an elder statesman. I'm a bit like you know I was going to say Enoch Powell, nothing like Enoch Powell, but be like Edward Heath, you know, where they sort of bring it and go, ladies and gentlemen, he's still living. Look here he is. Look, and you come on and you're embalmed, and I thought that <laughs> could be quite interesting. You come on looking a little bit waxen. But, uh, anyway, we'll wait and see. So it's 1st of August at the Queen's Theatre. Just type in Queen's Theatre Hornchurch on Google online and it comes up. Or you can ring directory inquiries and it'll, it'll put it straight. Don't, don't phone here. They haven't got the faintest idea here what's going on. So there's no point in you doing that. You have to do it online. And then you can order them now. But there's only a few left. First show sold out. And there's a second show at 7 o'clock now. God, dare to have you a walking zombie. <laughs> a little bit later on. But uh, it's always the way, isn't it? It's always, we've never done two in one day. We've done biggies and we've done mediumsy, but we've never done twosies in one day. So we can do twosies in one day. Second show's seven. Seven o'clock in the evening. It's quite late, isn't it? Very late. Very late for Amanda, so she'll probably just turn up for the first one. You think you'd do both? Uh, you're not good first thing in the morning. Yes, J- John Warrington, I think, will be there. 
And, uh, oh, he's going to give you a lift. She's, she, she sort of calls in favours on this kind of thing. John, hello. It's Amanda. Amanda, Ama- producer of Steve Allen's show. You know, where you work on a Friday at the moment. Anyway, I just wanted to say, is it possible you can give me a lift? <laughs> uh, yes. No, I'm still the producer. Yes. Still booking you in on a Friday. Yes. You, you, you enjoy doing that. Good, good, good. OK. And you'll pick me up at what time? <laughs> and that's how it works. It's always good, isn't it? Anyway, it, I, I was pleased when I opened up the uh, curtains this morning. I went, oh, it's raining. Hallelujah. Still a bit warm, though. It's a bit, bit muggy outside. And today's the day the car goes in. I'm quite excited. I love it when the car goes in. So I'm having a new grill fitted at the front. I'm having... won't mean anything to non-carpet. I'm having a Matrix grill fitted. Because uh, I quite fancy a Matrix grill fitted. Don't ask me why. I just, you know, in the light of my accountant saying, can you spend some money, please? tighty and so i'm gonna put a yeah i've spent it on you before what did i buy the other day got you some strawberries and some apples and cologne that cologne wasn't cheap that's tax deductible the cologne believe you me gift to producer 300 pounds you know i put her down for all sorts of outfits i bought her you know every time you know i do so i do buy you presents and you know she's she's not cheap i mean she's not cheap to keep let me tell you i mean in apples alone it can run pound a month something like that quite a lot I see the poor old Mel B. Actually, there's some very interesting... Before I forget, there's some very interesting stories about food that you eat. And one woman who used to drink 20 cans of Coke a day and wondered why she was fat. And that's in the paper today. Plus, well, it's, it's not just... It's, it's, it's too much sugar. What you, what you have to drink is zero Coke. Zero, apparently, is the... It gets a 7 out of 10 rating in the paper. And also, some woman who's been eating wholemeal bread, but she's, I think... Is it celeriac? She's... Uh, she's uh, anyway, whatever it is... it. It makes her really ill. And so it turns out that the bread attacks her. You know, it's like it's sitting on the side and the next minute it's trying to club her over the head and things like that. <laughs> it's terrible, really. Uh, anyway, Mel B is in the papers today. This is the one that they call Gobby Spice. You know, I remember seeing a documentary on her. I mean, every other word was a swear word. Every other word. It was, she was, and I did go to her house once for a party. Uh, we, I, I tried to get into the house, but it was all locked up and there were security men there. So we were just in a, in a tent... Oh, yeah, there was a party in the garden. Oh, good God, yeah. The, the party was in the garden. It was in a, a big marquee. There was me, Vic Beckham. No, no, it wasn't Gatecrow. Oh, no, no, I was there as, a, as an invite. Me, Vic Beckham, Dave Beckham, um, half of EastEnders, Barbara, Scott, Dale, me. I mean, there was just every... It was a who's who. And me. <laughs> so I was the only one I didn't know again. And that was, I told you, that was the party I turned up to and I was driving the Bentley and I get there and the security man sort of flags us down at the entrance and goes uh, to the guest. He said, if you'd like to get out here and just go through and if you uh, can just drive and park round there. Cheeky so-and-so, cheeky so-and-so. I was wearing the peak cap though. I mean, I thought it was all right. I looked like sort of a, a reject from entertaining Mr Sloan, which was good. Anyway, Mel B, who uh, is, is the gobby one. Actually, which reminds me, there's another story in the paper yesterday. Remember I talked about Matt Goss? who apparently, according to his website, they call Matt The Voice. I thought Russell Watson was The Voice. Everybody, have you noticed? Every, I could be Steve The Voice Allen. We could have Anthony The Voice Davis. And so they call Matt Goss Matt The Voice. And if you go onto the website, there, his uh, website, because I mentioned them the other week. I mentioned him, him the other week. And, uh, and Jeff and Jean went over to Vegas. And for some reason, they aren't, they aren't fans of his, but they decided to book to see the show which at $40 is not cheap, and he only does a Friday and a Saturday. And uh, you, you thought the show was in a tacky nightclub. 
Absolutely. I've looked at it. It's Cleopatra's Barge, which they've renamed Gossy or something, the Gossy Room. And it only holds about 200 people. And what he does is, according to the website, because I only went by reviews of the show, uh, he's supposed to sing old Bross hits. But, of course, all the Americans going, haven't got the faintest idea who he is. So what he has to do, he has to sing old standards. So he does old Sinatra stuff. And he's had a, a review from Robin Leach. Mm, nice. Robin Leach used to do a programme on the television called Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous, where this overweight Englishman would go round and go, and here's, look at this, this is Elizabeth Taylor's house. It's really marvellous. He was the most in... I don't know, there was something about him on the toes just made you sort of go, oh, dear. Perhaps the Americans go for this kind of Brit presentation. Anyway, he, he's written a great review for Matt Goss, as indeed you probably thought he would do, because Matt is, you know, he looks good, he moves well, and the voice isn't too bad. But what he's doing, he's, he's not in Caesar's Palace, he's in an offshoot of Caesar's Palace. So when they say he signed a three-year deal with Caesar's Palace, he signed a three-year deal with the little nightclub which holds 200 people. And people go there and dance, and he just does a bit of the cabaret there. Anyway... Jeff and uh, Jean liked it, and then they, then they met him after the show. So they said, uh, and he was very gracious over my comments, so I found your comments a little unfair. Well, you should read the website, Jeff, because that's what the websites say about him. And the funny thing is, I, did, I had to go and check again last night, just to make sure I was quite accurate. And the website, they're, they're starting a campaign, his, his fan club. Not only are his fan clubs starting a campaign to get Matt Goss back to the UK, but they're trying to get him booked in to the Royal Albert Hall, so they've asked all his fans, and at the moment it numbers 1,500, so I'm doing a little bit better, because uh, i got more hits to the hanging basket than he's got, to, can you sign this thing, which is addressed to the Royal Albert Hall, and tell us if, you're defini- if you'd definitely be interested in buying a ticket, and how many? So they're trying to work out if they can bring him back to the UK to book him into the Royal Albert Hall. Now, I don't think Matt Goss could fill the Royal Albert Hall in a million years, because the stuff he's doing is Sinatra. And it's the, 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 the Goss fan, the Bross fans are going to be wanting to hear the hits. And of course, he's not talking to his brother and Craig's doing very nicely, thank you. It's not going to happen. But then, to add insult to injury, the, uh, the fans are being asked on the website to donate to keeping the, uh, the website going. How much money would you like to donate, it says on there. And some people have donated a fiver. They're looking for £500 to keep the website going. And they're asking the fans to pay for it. Now, when I checked on the list of all the fans who said they would buy tickets, they're all from the United Kingdom, and there's 1,582 of them or something like that. And I thought, it's not quite enough to fill the Albert Hall, because this is only a promise of buying a ticket. So I haven't seen the show, and, and Jeff and Jean, I'm, I'm sure as you listened very carefully to the programme, you would know, because I said, these are the reviews that I've read online of it. And, uh, you know... I don't like him. I've seen the drunk Matt Goss, I'm afraid. And believe you me, my producer nearly took out an injunction against him and took him to court for threatening behaviour. You know, that's, that's how bad he was. We had to call the police to have him removed from the premises because he was that drunk and he was that abusive. And you'd seriously thought you were dealing with the mafia when he turned up and started screaming obscenities down the phone like, nobody messes with the Goss boys. I don't know what he was on, poor little soul. But anyway, you know, he's uh, very wisely gone to America and stayed there. And he's at Caesar's Palace, but he's in the, the small nightclub. And whichever way you call it, Vegas is tacky. I don't think you could ever call Vegas anything but tacky. It's, it's an adult playground. It's glitz and glamour. And all the comments on the website are saying about the girls he has dancing with him. Are they absolutely necessary? The answer is, no, they're not. 
These are the headlines. A 32-year-old woman has been arrested in connection with a fire at a tower block in Kingston yesterday. BP says it's successfully placed a new tighter-fitting cap over the Gulf of Mexico's oil leak. It's hoping it'll stop the flow of crude completely. Peter Mandelson claims Gordon Brown's last days in powers were dominated by fear and loathing. In the latest extract from his memoirs, Mandelson says many of the former Prime Minister's most senior colleagues were convinced he couldn't win the election. Let's have a check on the state of the roads for you this morning. It's Jay Louise. Good morning, Steve. Thank you very much. Well, in Manor House, all lanes now open north... Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast, chipper and cooking with gas. Don't you just love being in control? And between that, the hanging baskets, big, big and plumptious. Not only that, the strawberries, plumptious. The uh, tomato. I might better start picking the tomatoes, actually. Got loads of tomatoes. There's a story about Mel B in the paper today. Now, you remember she was the, she was the one in the Spice Girls who was called Gobby. And then she... She left here and she went to carve a life out in America. And I think she got a gig in Vegas. I think she was doing another one of these, similar to a Matt Goss-type show. When they say she's appearing at, for example, Caesar's Palace, Caesar's Palace would have a number of rooms. It has the arena, where you would have the big stars, and then it has the little people to one side. And, And Mel B would be one of the little people to one side, because she's not known in America. She'd be known as the Spice Girls, but, you know, she wouldn't be known for anything else. So occasionally she comes back to the country, and occasionally she doesn't. Now, she is known for being a little bit, let's just say, rough. You know, what? I mean, she's a little bit like a bloke with a frock and a wig on. It's a little bit like that. Anyway, she's being sued in America. She made a mistake. She thought that she was being papped by one of these paparazzi. Now, in America, (coughs) excuse me, I have to tell you, the paparazzi are a little bit more over the top than they are here. They have, they will throw themselves in front of a car to get a picture. They don't have any problems because it's, it's a, it's a dog-eat-dog situation. So, she, um, beats up this bloke who she thinks is paparazzi. He suffers a broken hand, back and neck injuries. (laughs) It wasn't just her, it was apparently the husband and one of their employees. Turns out he's an estate agent. He was photographing a house next door to put it on the market. And so um, he's now claiming for intimidation, physical injury. He's suing her for 663,000. They do this in America. Everybody does it in America. I mean, I I would be suing in here for, you know, for for the producer not sort of bringing me in a a cup of coffee very early on the programme or and going, "You, you know that I need... A drink, and and I'm not, and I'm not getting it, and I'm about to collapse. That people would be suing in America. They'd be suing left, right, and centre. He also wants two hundred and thirty thousand pounds in damages. He also wants sixty six thousand pounds for loss of earnings and twenty three thousand for medical expenses. All in all, totalling up to about a million quid. Now, in America, you'll probably find a court that will give it to him, but it will it will end up being thrown out. I always remember doing a book on LBC years ago, and it was the trial of Rock Hudson. And it was a very interesting premise, in so much as Rock knew that he was HIV positive, but continued having sex with his boyfriend at the time. So in court, the trial of Rock Hudson went ahead after he died with an empty chair where Rock Hudson would have been. And in the end, I think the boyfriend was awarded something like £23 million because Rock had continued to have unprotected sex, knowing he was HIV positive and he was dying. And this court case went through. It was reduced afterwards on appeal to something like a million because the estate didn't have the money. 
And everybody knew about it. It was one of the worst-kept secrets in Hollywood. Rock, in fact, when Rock Hudson got married to the... I think she worked for the fan club. She had no idea he was gay. Everybody else knew. It's just that she didn't know. So they got married because at the time the press in America was sniffing around and, and it didn't look very good to have a gay movie star. Because if you think about it, over here we've got quite a number of gay movie stars. In America, they don't see it the same way. It's a bit like going to Lagos. They don't have gay bars while they do it. But uh, there was a dispatches programme on the television last night looking at the attitude to gays in other countries. And in this particular dispatches programme, they managed to find people. In fact, the reporter who, who went out there said, you know, is it, is it, I'd quite like to go to a gay bar. And the woman went, we don't have things like that. And so he said, well, you must have gay people. She said, no. That she really didn't know. She, she was being quite, quite genuine. She really didn't think that we're gay people. There might have been, she said on dispatches, a few people who had been coerced into these sort of practices by Westerners. And, in fact, they've had bishops who have gone to the High Court there to demand the death penalty for gays. And uh, they're, they're really quite, quite backward. Really quite backward. They, they, they were very careful to try and distance Islam from it because there are all sorts of Muslim websites now devoted to... I mean, there are, there are gay Muslim groups in this country. I didn't realise how many gay groups there were. I thought it was forbidden. But anyway, I mean, you know, you can't... It's like saying to somebody who's heterosexual, well, you're out. Terribly sorry, uh, we're not going to have heterosexuals anymore. It's not going to happen anymore. Uh, you'll have to be something else. You go, well, I can't. You know, it's, it's, I don't think you can ever argue on that. It was, it was quite an interesting programme. So anyway, so poor old Mel, Mel B is over there. Uh, it's it's going to go to court. And in fact... She has got a new reality show coming up called The Mel B Project. And the cameras will... Well, I don't know about you, but I'm bored witless with these programmes. I mean, I'm absolute... I couldn't care less about reality shows. In in replacing Katie Price on ITV2, which I always applaud, um, they're putting in the Saturdays, which I told you yesterday. And then Peter Andre's in the papers today, talking about he went running, he thought he was going to die. And he said, I went out running and I got these dreadful chest pains and... uh, uh, I went back home to, and I thought you were running by yourself, dear, without a camera crew. I mean, how unusual, because I thought the camera crew would have been with you 24 hours a day. But uh, it's interesting. Uh, today is the 25th anniversary of Live Aid. I remember it very well. Freddie Mercury stole the show, no doubt about it. Oh, the egos that were going, but it was, it was Freddie Mercury, wasn't it, who stole the show? Bob Geldof, famous for the swearing on the, the BBC. Send us your effing money. Do you remember that one? And we went, oh, my God. And, of course, 25 years on... Still got the same problem. There is still the same problem out there because, unfortunately, of corruption and people who go, well, they're actually sending food. They're sending food out. OK, hijack it. So many of the lorries never got through. So much food never got through. And it, we're still in the same state in the year 2010. There are still people working for, for, for the Live Aid organisation. 25 years on. And Nick Ferrari will talk about that later on this morning. It's interesting. People did donate because the one thing we're very good at in this country is donating. We're very good at donating. We're very good at making ourselves martyrs. And as the Sun points out this morning, 18,000 saddos have gone onto Facebook as a tribute to uh, Raoul Moat. And uh, they're calling him a hero. No, he's a, he's a, a dead murderer, thank God. But 18,000 people, 18,000 sad, pathetic little lonelies. And there's a few of them pictured inside the paper today. People laying flowers where he shot himself. People having their pictures taken in the drain where he hid. You know, perhaps you'd like to go round and have a word with the mother of the uh, of the son who was blasted at uh, 
close uh, close range and died. Perhaps you'd like to have a word with her and tell her, tell her what a hero the murderer of her son was. These people are pathetic little non-entities. They're sickos. And the picture in the paper, like putting flowers down for a, for a murderer. For somebody who shot his ex-girlfriend, not the wisest thing to say, you're going out with a, with a copper to try and keep him away, because that didn't help the copper who was shot in the face. He's actually said, you know, I, I forgive him. And then the mother of the, uh, of the boy who was killed outright said, who are, these, who are these people? Why are they making him out to be some sort of... He was no hero. He was a nasty, twisted, perverted thug who killed people. A hero. I tell you, I'd like the papers to go round to some of these people pictured here and go, are you stupid? I mean, are you completely... You know, have, have you got something between your ears or is it just sawdust? It's just absolutely ridiculous. Execution... Says the uh, the mum. That's what Raoul Moat did when he shot my son three times in the head. And there's people going out there. One here. Uh, R.I.P. Mr. Moat. Totally understand your feelings. God bless. Pathetic little tossers, honestly. R.I.P. Your life was always worth much more. Always remembered your friend. Another one. A tormented mind now at peace. A convicted murderer. Well, not a convicted murderer because he wasn't convicted. But in cold blood he murdered. He murdered one and shot two other people. He couldn't care us whether he killed them or not. God bless. Well, I'm going to tell you now, sickos, he ain't going to heaven. He's going straight to hell. The baby Jesus doesn't want him at all. Oh, there's a very good chance, actually, we might be eating this octopus shortly. It's like I'm starting a campaign on Facebook to, uh, to have him served up. And uh, I've just... Actually, I've never eaten octopus in my life. I remember once I did go out to a Chinese restaurant in Soho... And, uh, and we ordered some soup at the beginning. Somebody ordered for me. For some reason, somebody ordered for me. I don't know why. I think, you know when you go out and you think, go on, I'm going to be adventurous. Order something for me and it'll be a surprise. You cover your eyes and you go, da-da, oh my God. And it was a soup and it had little octopus tentacles in it. And I went, as you do, because you're being a bit stupid, what are they? And somebody goes, it's, uh, it's octopus. You go, oh, not in my soup. It was horrid. It was absolutely horrid. And I... This octopus... Yes, wait a wait, there's an octopus in my soup. Don't worry, sir, it won't eat very much. But it will pick out the next team to win the World Cup. <laughs> you know, and I just... I can't do things like that. You know, if there was a little shrimp in there, I could cope with it, but nothing with a head on. And certainly not part of an octopus. Oh, dear, it was just awful. And it didn't look very big. I mean, it wasn't exactly, like, ten foot tall, you know, trying to drag me into the bowl from the, uh, from the seat. But, but interesting. So, I, mean, I don't know what's going to happen to him. It'll probably end up somewhere. Ali Ross talks about watching... The first episode of Vernon Kay's Five O'Clock Show. Vernon Kay... I mean, you can understand why he writes those little text messages to that girl, because Vernon Kay's mind is a sewer. Because every day we had a perverted joke. The first uh, one featured a master baker. And we had that on day two, day three, day four, day five, and so on and so forth. It began to seem like a rather sick, pathetic little joke from a rather sad, silly little man from Bolton, I'm afraid, who attempted to present a programme. At least with Fern Britain last night, you got the uh, the semblance of a... Pro- although she did make a couple of mistakes. Coming up next on this morning, she said... Oh, no. She said, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but at least she was funny. At least she was funny. Whereas Vernon Kay just comes over as a lanky idiot, I'm afraid. And this programme just got worse and worse and worse. He sa- and th- then he said, we waited for that classic moment where he said, and now there are loads of hens that need rescuing 
and an old cock that needs looking after. This was Vernon Kay, a rather pathetic, stupid little man. And frankly, if we never see you on television again, Vernon, it'll be too soon, love. Why don't you disappear back to Bolton, take your dreary little wife with you, and go and grow vegetables, which are funny shapes, and send them into an old programme called That's Life. Because your stupid attempt at comedy, I'm afraid, was nothing short of pathetic. But there again, that kind of sums you up, doesn't it? Oh, I must text somebody. I must text somebody. Other stories coming up from the uh, the papers today. Nick will be talking about we're Holocaust survivors and we're dancing at Auschwitz. Details to come. LBC 97.3 Morning team, 28 minutes to six. Poor old Sarah Ferguson gets in the papers again today. This time they are claiming she's run up uh, a £51,000 debt at a posh shop. She's got one of those store cards. Well, she can't manage. I mean, this is the most inept woman that you've ever met. Her business dealings and her business acumen are zero. Uh, She has no concept of money. The other day we were told in the papers, you have to take it all with a pinch of salt, that she'd fired all her staff. Apparently, this buffoon has 12 people working for her. Running at at a cost of something astral. What they do, I've got no idea. Quite clearly, they're not advising her. Listen, why are you spending money you're not earning? Why are you such a fool with money? We have to make money work. I mean, many of you listening, you work and you look after your money and you budget. I mean, years ago, it was different. You'd come home and if you were a man and you'd put your pay packet on the table, you'd go, there you go, mother. And the woman at the house would, she would budget. She'd be the one who saved. She'd be the one who would spend the money on the food. And so if you needed anything, you'd go, do we have any money in the kitty, mother? And she'd go, I'll have a, yes, we've got a bit of money in the kitty. You can afford to have a new ironing board or a, a part of a shed or whatever it is you want. Sarah Ferguson blindly goes on, a bit like the Queen Mother, I'm afraid, uh, spending when she doesn't earn anything at all. I mean, how embarrassing. That's my mother who tried to sell my father down the river to a newspaper. <laughs> I mean, that, as I say, yes, it's, it's actually elevated her in America because they think she's still top of the party list. I think the truth of the matter is, I've watched her being interviewed, she's a bit simple. I mean that in a nice kind of way. She's not, she's not what I call an intelligent 51-year-old. She's all a bit jolly hockey sticks and sort of pick up your skirts and run down the, uh, the runway kind of stuff. I, I don't actually see her as anybody you can have a conversation with. And anybody less royal, you'd be hard pushed to find. Stephen Harlington says, uh, can't breathe out here at Heathrow. It's terrible weather, isn't it, Reese? And I'm, I'll, I'll tell you in a sec, actually, what the... Oh, actually, the pollen count today is low. So you shouldn't have to worry too much. Uh, Steve, there was a Matrix grill on eBay last night, 200 quid, if only, if only. I think mine's about £600 or something like that, but anyway. Uh, Darren says, uh, is the producer going to be at Hornchurch? Not if I can help her. Uh, apparently so, yes. We'll be keeping her. She's, she'll be in disguise, OK? Steve, could you wish me a happy 61st birthday, as nobody else will? Well, of course they won't, because nobody knows your name. That's why. We, have, we don't know your name either, I'm afraid. <laughs> and uh, Paul says, it's lovely. The weather is so much cooler. I slept like a baby last night, woke up crying five times and wet the bed three times. I used to enjoy wetting the bed, actually, as a child. <laughs> I did. I used to wet the... I, I wet the bed as a child. In fact, when I was at school... Well, I say I enjoyed it. It's because you didn't have the energy to get out of bed. And when you're an adult, you feel you have to get out of bed, don't you? When you're a child... And, you, and I can always tell you, when, whenever you, you go to toilets, if, if you wet the bed as a child, and some people have it that runs through for quite a long time, it's because you're dreaming about going to the toilet... You dream about going to the toilet, and it's only when you start thinking, it's a bit wet in here, that you suddenly start realising that you've, you've gone to the toilet. Uh, Dave says, you know what time the congestion charge starts? No, uh, it's much later. You don't need to worry. It's about seven, I think. Ages and ages to go. 
He says, got diverted over London Bridge at 4.45. Do I need to pay? No, good God, of course you're happy. Easy, easy peasy, that one. And, um, Barbara says, I'm coming to Hornchurch. Uh, can I call and ask a favour and ask for a lift each way? (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) No. And Dee says, there is only one person who qualified to be called The Voice. And that is, was, and ever shall be, Mr Frank Sinatra. They all try to sing his numbers. Well, this Robin Leach, reviewing Matt Goss, said he is the, uh, the man to take over the mantle of Frank Sinatra. Oh, look, pfft. Frank Sinatra did uh, a show. Whenever he did Vegas, they didn't need to say Frank Sinatra. It just said on the billboard, he's here. That's all it needed to say, and Frank Sinatra sold out. Matt Goss uh, is playing in on Cleopatra's Barge. It's a tacky little nightclub thing that holds 200 people. He's only doing twice a week. Stephen Arlington says, you sure they didn't sign up for three years of Caesar salad? <laughs> Caesar salad. <laughs> Actually, I've been to Caesar's Palace. I've suddenly realised why I've been to Caesar's Palace. Because you walk through and it's got um, Bacchus, who sits in the foyer there. A big 50-foot-tall statue. And every hour, or every 15 minutes, he comes to life. And it's got one of those projections onto his face, and he booms out to you, you know, welcome. And it turns round, and everybody stands and watches. It's like a, you know, free free show. And then you go through Caesars, and they've got all the shops, but they're in a, a, a huge room, and it changes from night to day. So you go in, and it's, it's all brilliant sunlight, and then all of a sudden, over the course of 15 minutes, the lights dim down, and all the stalls, little lights come on there. It's really good, actually. It's really good. Uh, Steve, do you fancy the producer? You're always talking about her and buying things for her. Hello? No? Well, we'll go through that one again later. Uh, (laughs) Steve, I can't believe you've never eaten octopus. It's delicious when cooked properly. (laughs) By the way, I've enjoyed listening to your show over the last few years. My studies are nearly over and I'll be going back to Mauritius soon. Don't get anything like this show in Mauritius, let me tell you. They're starved of decent radio. This uh, story, which I mentioned about... Auschwitz, Nick is going to be doing this morning. It's uh, um, a lady called Jane Corman who videoed Adolf, 89, and her three kids performing Gloria Gaynor's I Will Survive at Auschwitz. Adolf wore a white shirt emblazoned with the word survivor as he joined his grandchildren for a choreographed routine beneath the Auschwitz sign. Arbeit macht frei, work sets you free. Uh, They then posted the film on YouTube and exhibited it it in a gallery near her home in Australia. She said, I wanted to make artwork that creates a fresh interpretation of historical memory. But she's outraged other survivors. Polish uh, Kamil, who's 86, says, it trivialises the horrors. I don't see how this video is a mark of respect for the millions who didn't survive or for those who did. Corman, who also shot film at other death camps and memorials, is unrepentant. She said, we're affirming our existence. He's saying, we should be dancing, we're celebrating our survival. I'm not sure, I don't know where I'm coming from on that one. I'm, 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 I don't know. It's a difficult one, that, I don't know. If somebody survived it, you go back and you dance. But for all the other people for whom it was... I can't even, I can't even put it into words, I'm afraid, this morning. I'm sure that Nick will, uh... We'll have a good uh, good go at it. You're going to be you're going to be very divided, I think. There's going to be people to, in the same way that, as I said a moment ago, open up the front page of the paper. Then eighteen thousand people have said that Roald Moat was a hero. As I say, quite clearly, very sad, stupid people. I'm afraid. Uh, expensive slimming supplements do not help dieters lose weight. Scientists have found the pills, which cost up to thirty quid, are no more effective than dummy tablets. I've told you before, there is never ever a tablet 
that will help you lose weight. There is never any tablet. You cannot buy anything over the counter, tablet or otherwise, where you pop it in your mouth and the weight falls off. Doesn't work. Okay. Nice thought. Nice thought. Nice dream. Bit like sort of, you know, little green men coming down, you know, middle of the ocean, chatting away to people like balmies again. And, uh, you know, crop circles. It's, it's quite sweet to think of it, but it doesn't happen. If you're fat, it's because you overeat, unless it's a thyroid problem. And if it's a thyroid problem, then you're on medication. But a lot of people don't have a thyroid problem. They just eat because most of the food that you're eating out there is rubbish. Absolute rubbish. We've told you before, fast food kills. It's, if you eat it, like the woman who drank 20 cans of Coke a day and wondered why she put on weight. The moment she comes off the Coke and starts eating... Pro- the weight falls off. But it makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Fizzy drinks, carbonated with all the sugars, bad for you. I've said to you a million times, much as it grieves me, Kentucky Fried Chicken, lovely, without the coating. You know, just eat grilled chicken, good for you, really nice. Put a coating on it or a sauce, fatty, fatties. It's not good for you. And it's great that a lot of kids can eat it. Because when you're young, you appear to be able to eat anything. I got to 25 and I was going, I can still get my hands around my waist eventually. And uh, you could, you know, when you could put your hands in there. Well, I mean, it's just ridiculous now. You try that at home. You put your hands either side of your waist and how far can... Nowhere, can you? Nowhere. No good trying, Amanda. It's just it's pointless exercise, even for you, dear. And I, Very small hands, exactly. There's a joke. And uh, so anyway, so you, you try and do that. And then for, if you're young... You don't get... I mean, you do get overweight teenagers, but you don't get as many... Most of them are thin around our way. And they eat Kentucky Fried Chicken, and they eat, you know, cheap deep-fried chicken, and, and all this... Oh, it's just ghastly. Cheap... And what do they love? Greggs. What are they eating? Pasties. What is not good for you? Pasties. What else do they sell? Cakes. What do we like eating? Cakes. What's bad for you? Cakes! I never understand why eating half a dozen cream cakes is bad for you. We love cream cakes. But you can't eat them because they're really bad for you. I'm, I'm afraid I'm, I'm not in favour of silly Christopher Irvin. Silly Christopher Irvin is 75. Why is he a silly man? He's an idiot. He had to be taken, taken to hospital the other day because he's a grandfather. He's a very, very stupid man. I'll tell you why he's a very stupid man. Do you remember the other week we had uh, a lot of young people who were doing what they call tombstoning? which is where you stand on a rocky outlet and you jump into the sea and many belly flop and they die, Okay, Now, I'm here to tell you now, you can be killed. This stupid man belly flopped in. He goes up there and he's been doing it before. He's 75 and he's been told by his family, do not leap, but he's stupid. And so he leapt the other day and we have to pay for him to go to hospital. I'd have let him suffer, I'm afraid, in the water. You've been told a number of times, you stupid fool, do not jump off here. Now we have to pick up the pieces. We have to send an ambulance out that could have actually gone out to somebody genuine as opposed to a stupid old man who thinks that tombstoning at 75 is fun, you know, where it can kill him. I mean, he had to be given oxygen and then he was taken to hospital by helicopter. The cost of this astronomical, as far as I'm concerned, charge him. Charge him for it. I've had this before from people and they said, why are we picking up the bill for an idiot of 70, quite clearly very stupid at 75, and doesn't realise that de- people have died doing this, younger people. He's 75, and we've had to airlift him to hospital. I wouldn't like to think of the cost, thousands, to get him to hospital. Stupid man. Stupid man. Oof. 
so cross with things like that. I cannot cope with it. Oh, here she is again. Oh, look, it's lovely. It's uh, Sophie Reed. Go on, cast your mind back. Who's Sophie Reed? That's right, the big brother winner. Glamour model. What do you do, love? Glamour model. Oh, right, who are you going out with? Just about anybody. Because you remember only a short while ago she was going out with Gary Lineker's son until she realised that as, as he only went out about once every three months, it wasn't really the best person to go out with. And now she's pictured with Dane Bowers. He's done the rounds, hasn't he? Poor old Dane, bless his heart. Looking a bit old in the, uh, in the gills now, I'm afraid. Looking a bit grey and a bit sad and old. And hanging around with Sophie Reed. Uh, Dane is 30 and Sophie, who is 21, but luckily on this hot day out, she had her boobs out. Oh, well, that's good news, isn't it, for a glamour model? So, well done, Dane. I see you've set your sights as low as always. First of all, that other decrepit creature, and now this one as well. Very bad. Oh, and I, I did mention, and I'm, I'm not supposed to tell you, I don't, I get, don't want to get into trouble, but uh, Michelle Heaton. Remember Michelle Heaton? Come dine with me, coming downstairs. Oh, I ain't got my knickers on, you know. Do you remember that one? Coming and come dine with me. We all went, oh, God, how tacky and disgusting are you? Anyway, she's getting married. She's finally been taken off the market. Somebody's finally taken her off the uh, standing on street corners, you know, trying to find a celebrity she can link herself to. And she's hoping Jordan's going to go to the wedding. She said, but I can't say too much because it's a secret wedding. Can't wait to see the celebrities. Let me have a guess. Danielle Lloyd. Jordan. Because Jordan loves being exploited. Do you think Jordan will go? I don't think she'll go. Jordan being exploited at somebody else's wedding. Oh, my God. The feisty old bag with the Botox, who's beginning to look a bit like a chipmunk, would not do that, Michelle. You're going to be in for a bit of a rude awakening. So who's going to go to your party? <gasps> Other people from... She was in a group, wasn't she, Michelle Heaton? Was she Was she in here? No, she wasn't here, so no, that was the dreary... Kid. I think she was Liberty X, because she's had such a good career up until now. Yeah, we'll have to Google her, and we'll find out what, what she's been doing. But she's going to get married, but she said, can't say too much because it's secret. I thought, well, OK, didn't pay for Jordan's wedding because she didn't have any celebrities at all. She managed to scrape up Melinda Messenger and Danielle Lloyd. And believe you me, when I say scrape, I mean scrape. Quarter to six. These are the headlines. A woman's been arrested over a big fire at Flats in Kingston yesterday. At its height, 100 firefighters were battling the flames at the 15-storey block. Union members are planning to protest outside British Airways' annual meeting in Westminster later. They'll be handing out letters to shareholders about the ongoing cabin crew row. And BP says it successfully placed a new tighter-fitting cap over the Gulf of Mexico oil leak. The company hopes it'll stem the catastrophic flow of toxic crude once and for all. Check on the roads for you this morning on this damp day. Jay Louise. Thank you, Steve. Good morning. And for the North Circular at Edmonds... Mary wants to know what's Rich and Judy up to. Well, she's writing, I believe, and uh, he's trying to get himself onto programmes. <laughs> I don't know why. They've, they've made enough money, but they can't stay away from television. They can as well. I mean, I think she can. I don't think Judy's particularly bothered either way. I think he likes the limelight, and he likes to see himself as a bit young and trendy. He's popped up at LBC, as you know. Uh, Noreen says, did you see Mary Queen of Shops, Mary Portas? It was good. Some of the clowns that she goes to, it was a DIY shop selling birthday cards. I quite like it. I think she always gives good advice. She's, she's a bit no-nonsense, isn't she? She's, she's one of those sort of lesbians who's going straight in there, and I'm telling you what to do, and you're going to do it. It always works well. Ticket's selling well, she says. Only the back couple of rows left. Out of Hornchurch. Thank you. Have a chat to Darren a little bit later on. He's got some events for you. And uh, with Nick Ferrari this morning, Mark Constantine, Managing Director of Lush, will be in. So he'll be taking a look through the papers. The Auschwitz video they'll be talking about. Parliament Square turned into a sewer camp. It's filthy down there. Shouldn't we just kick them out? 
Yes, says Stephen Hammond. No, says Chris Nynham from Stop the War, War Coalition. I said, why don't they go and protest in their own back gardens? Why do we have to suffer with it? In London, we put up with any amount of rubbish. And when I say rubbish, these are professional protesters. They don't actually do anything for a living. They just protest about things. You know, and you think, why don't you just go and get a life? I always call them wastes of spaces, I'm afraid. Uh, they were talking about this fire in the tower block, especially in the, uh, the light now of a, a woman who's been arrested in connection with the fire. Plus 25 years since Live Aid, has it helped or hindered Ethiopia? Well, it hasn't solved the problem. It, I think it alleviated it for a little while. But uh, I thought we were back where we started. They, they still need to raise money. Because still, in parts of... I mean, can you believe that still in parts of the world they don't have running water? Apart from Twickenham. They don't have running water. And you have to have a programme like Blue Peter that raises money to go out there and put a well in a village. We're still doing that. We're still doing that. And yet the Ethiopian government and any of these other governments, they're living the high life. I remember during Live Aid where there are thousands of people dying and we're being shown the images. A bit further down the road, people are blissfully unaware of what's going on. They're having parties, drinking. It's a case of, well, why should we bother with it? Let somebody else sort out the problem. And that somebody turned out to be Bob Geldof. I'm sure we saw him in Twickenham the other day. I'm totally sure we saw him in Twickenham. Uh, more on this uh, this sick bunch of people who are out taking photographs of where Raoul Moat ended his life. A murdering pervert, as far as I'm concerned. And frankly, I mean, why 18,000 people? I hope that the papers go round to a few of them and say, excuse me, do you not feel sorry for this? You know, why would you think he'd be a hero? He's no hero at all. In fact, if anything, he's the biggest coward under the sun. Ghastly piece of work. Ghastly piece of work. Simon Cowell is said to be furious. After two of his closest female friends became embroiled in a, an ugly public row. This is somebody called Jackie Sinclair and Sunita. I don't know Jackie Sinclair, but she was wearing what looked like a giant poppy on her head at the races. And, uh, and Sunita. We like Sunita, though. We like Sunita. But we've known Sunita for years, so we always side with people we know. We can't side with people we don't know unless we've met them. And then we go, oh, they're nice. It's like Amanda met... met uh, Met somebody the other day, and she was going, oh, they're really nice, they're really nice. I said, oh, do you think so? You know, like I'm interested. And uh, we have to show an interest in what she does. You know, she came in the other day, she said, I've taken up a hobby. I said, what are you doing? She said, I'm painting ceramics. I said, oh, that's nice for you, isn't it? So she's, she's got little, she's got these little, there's this company that send them to her, and she has to paint them, and then she sends them back. And, uh, and people go, oh, that's nice, isn't it? What is it? She goes, poodle. And she does, <laughs> she does all sorts of things. And, um... And she started, she's also, she's designing menus for Chinese restaurants as well now. So she does a bit of artwork around the edge. It's, she gets it, I think, off some of these QVC channels on the television. And she likes it. She makes her own Christmas cards and everything. She does do, She does make her own Christmas cards. Because I was lucky to be the proud recipient of one the other year, which was very nice indeed. Even though, even though it had to Auntie Mary, lots of love, Amanda, and then that was crossed out, and to Steve. So obviously a functional card. <laughs> uh, sh- Oh, you need the card back. Oh, OK, right. It's looking a bit bedraggled. Do you know, I saved my... I saved... I must tell you. When I, when I first started at LBC, people used to write in, and we used to get hundreds of letters a week in the days when people wrote before we had the internet and texts and stuff like that. And I used to save all my letters. And I saved... And it, it was quite touching because a number of them... I used to have one girl. She was a very, very good artist. She ended up uh, dying because she was anorexic, and she featured in the papers. But she wrote to me before she was anorexic. She came to a few parties, and uh, and, and we built up a... As, as we have now, actually, with a lot of the listeners. We know a lot of people. And uh, and we used to have LBC parties. I think we had 600 to the last party we had for the overnight. And we used to hold them down at the CAA in Covent Garden. 
and then the Strand Palace Hotel and various other places. It was really good, actually. It was really good. And, uh, and, and looking back over these, these letters, there were people who used to write in. Some of them used to send in cartoons, but a lot of cartoonists used to listen. And I had them framed up. So I've got lots of these cartoons framed up by uh, people. And then it got to the stage where I was lugging around 15 boxes of letters. And I looked at them once and I thought, what am I going to do with them? So I binned them. They were all binned. And up until about four years ago, I was saving Christmas cards. My pigeonhole here would be full of Christmas cards. You know, you just have to hang on to things like that, don't you? Because you'd hate to sort of retire. Not that I'm retiring, but as far as I know. Uh, but if, if you sort of retire and you think, oh, I remember that. I wonder where that's gone to. And you, think, you can't keep everything. I do keep quite a lot of stuff. I'm a bit of a hoarder, it has to, has to be said. Oh, here she is again. Corrie star Kim Marsh. Must learn the acting. Says the Soap's tram crash storyline sparked fears among the cast. Yes, I'm, I'm buying you a ticket already, love. We want you in there. We want as it crashes off the viaduct, we can go, finally. Because it, it uh, you know, it says here, and we, we told you before, that several characters will be killed or injured. Well, we know it's going to be. We know it's going to be Bill Tarmy who's going to be injured. And we know that it's going to be, hello, Ashley and his dreary wife, who are going to be going as well. Hello. You know, they're a bit like that. Hello. Because they're northern. And all northern people are like, hello. They're a bit like that. I turned on the television the other day and there was dreary, dirty little Gordon, um, not Gordon, uh, Vernon Kay. And he was doing celebrity family fortunes. Who were the celebrity families? Gareth Gates. I mean, I ask you, you know, we, we're not, you know, he's very sweet, but... And the other one, who's a real irritant, Jodie Prenger. And she's like professional Blackpool. Hello, hello. She's a bit like this. She's a bit Vernon Kay, a bit of an irritant. A bit like, you know, loads of other people within the business. And she's one of the top ones. Oh, hello, shall I sing for you? No, don't, don't sing. I've I've introduced you to my family. Here they are. All from Blackpool. Anyway, apparently a lot of people are getting very worried about who's going to be killed off. Uh, Kim, who plays feisty Michelle Connor, told New Magazine, there's been speculation my character may be among the casualties, but none of us know. We, we pray, darling, for that. We pray for your character to disappear forever. I don't know what you're going to do after that. Sue Carroll, talking about Sarah Ferguson. Like, like the rest of us, who cannot believe. She says, let me get this thing straight. The Duchess of York, who just weeks ago declared she didn't have a pot to... in has just fired her full-time staff. Apparently, the seven-strong team were devoted to her. No surprises there. They cost her £700,000 a year. And while maths isn't my strong point, that adds up to a handsome amount of remuneration for being employed by a woman whose job description is ex-royal. I mean, I totally agree. I mean, having now, you know, sort of declared that she's got no money, where is she holidaying? Necker. Now, for those people who don't know, Necker is the island owned by Richard Branson. It will cost you in excess of £30,000 a day to stay there. I mean, she must be getting it for free. She can't be paying for it because she hasn't got any money. She doesn't appear to work. She doesn't do anything. She's a bit like sort of a wag, you know, a footballer's wag. She's there. She doesn't do anything. She just sort of swans around, pretending she's royal and looking down her nose at people, and yet we're managing our money better than she is. I'm actually able to move my finances around and able, with the help of my bank, to do things like that. She, at the age of 51, or whatever she is now, probably around 51, cannot manage her money. She's living beyond her means. She's a little bit like Kerry Katona. 
And the papers keep going, well, she's living in a three million pound house. She's not. She's living in a barn conversion. And it's about three grand a month, I think. So, in other words, it's not even a very expensive barn conversion either. And Kerry Katona's got a documentary and it's going to show her earning money again. And the idea of showing her earning money is because she's being paid for making a documentary showing how she's changed about earning money. So it's, it's kind of, it's a, it's, a, it's a roundabout situation. Anyway, lovely uh, pictures of the paper today. This will appear to all the girlies. And it's pictures of uh, girls wearing an outfit and then somebody else wearing the same outfit. And that's always the embarrassment. You walk into a party. Well, you'll like this one because it's got um, uh, Cheryl Cole. And here she is wearing a lovely outfit. Uh, she turned up to the Glamour Awards. And next there's poor Alex Curran wearing it, who looks, <laughs> looks a little bit peculiar. Uh, well, actually, the one who looks better is Cheryl Cole. And uh, they've also got... They say Z-lister Tamara Eccleston. Well, I think Tamara Eccleston's really pretty. Uh, Tamara Eccleston, she's Bernie Eccleston's daughter. I mean, she's like a seriously good catch. Whereas I think, unfortunately, poor old Alex Gerard is just a bit bit old and naff now, you know, to be, to be even considered to be a wag. Then they've got pictures of Posh wearing an Alexander McQueen uh, outfit. Then Jennifer Hudson got it. And then actress Naomi Harris wore it. And the person who looks better in it, I have to say, is uh, Jennifer Hudson. She looks better in it. Uh, then there's Twilight star Ashley, who stole the limelight when she wore a, a Dolce & Gabbana frock to a nylon party in L.A. Four weeks on, model Daisy Lowe put it on. And I have to say, Daisy Lowe looks better in it. Because th- that is the problem. And here they all are. You've got Fern Cotton wearing the same outfit that Catherine Jenkins was wearing and that Linda Bellingham was wearing. And the one who looks better in it is, as long as she doesn't open her mouth, Fern Cotton. You see, because Fern Cotton's got a bit of a bloke's voice. Oh, she talked like that. And unfortunately, she does talk drivel as well. I mean, we've, we've seen her on the carpet and all the press have just gone, oh, for God's sake, tape her mouth up. She's just talked rubbish. But she looks better in the frock. Although, to be honest with you, Linda Bellingham does look very nice. But is there an age for wearing dresses? You know, do you, do you see a dress out, ladies, and you go, I'm going to wear that, and somebody would go, I mean, I want, I want shop assistants, to be honest, and go, it's not really for you, darling. It's really not for you. I told you the story of the hair extensions. I'm going to tell you again in a minute, because you might have missed it on Sunday. Autoglass repair, autoglass replace. Morning, team. Eight minutes past six. Tuesday morning, LBC 97.3. It's nice to have your company. Bit wet today. Take your umbrella, because you never know, you might get wetter. They say drier with the odd bright spell this afternoon. I don't know if it was my imagination, but yesterday it was a little bit overcast, and and I thought, oh, it's going to rain, and then we had a little bit of rain, and then it dried up, and then a bit more rain, and then in the afternoon, the heat came down again. And I thought, oh, crikey, we're back to that again. And it was absolutely baking. Uh, Warmer than yesterday today, the high 23 degrees, currently 15. The pollen count is low. Sunset is at 9.13 and tonight mostly dry with clear spells. Tomorrow, breezy with occasional heavy showers and the risk of thunder. I love thunder. I must be the only person, everybody else goes, ooh, I hate thunder, frightens me. I love it. I love looking out of a window and it clouds over and then you go... And it crackle. Oh, I love it. Some bright spells, high of 23 tomorrow. Thursday, windy, with a mix of bright spells and light showers, high of 22. And Friday and Saturday, mostly dry with sunny spells and windy at times. I don't care, the car's going in today for its, uh, for its annual um, mot. I always worry about mots. You always say, they, they send them in, they, get, they come back and they go, well, it's failed on this and it's failed on that. Say, well, just do it. Just do it. So, uh, Peter and the boys, it's heading up your way a little bit later on. Nick Ferrari with you, after seven. Talking about the Clean-up of Parliament Square. It's already cost the taxpayer a quarter of a million pounds 
To be honest with you, why these people are not charged? I said a short while ago, I think people should pay for this. In the same way that 75-year-old who was tombstoning, we had to get him to hospital in a, in a helicopter. The cost of that is astronomical. And I'm thinking, why are we wasting time? If something's self-inflicted and somebody deliberately jumps off, having been told by family members and everybody, oh, I'd love another cup of coffee, man. And, uh, you know, that you think, well, why? I just thought of a cup of coffee then, actually. I just thought, I'm missing something here on the right-hand side. And the, and, and the something was a cup of coffee. Oh, fun. oh all right, be stropping. Okay, it's Tuesday. Come on, be happy. Be happy. Try and be happy. She's wearing her canary outfit today. It's very nice. Yes, cheap, cheap. Yes, cheap. No, it, wasn't, it doesn't look cheap. <laughs> uh, Steve, I agree Fern was funny, but that dress she had on yesterday, what was she thinking of? Look in the mirror. Raquel says, I have my ticket. I have my, my ticket. I have my ticket. Do you know there used to be a chewing gum called Chicklets? Was that in my imagination, or have I just thought of that then? Was it Chicklets? I'm sure in Hong Kong we had chewing gum, because chewing gum wasn't as big then as it is now, and I'm sure it was called Chicklets. I don't know, but I'm, perhaps I'm having one of my senior moments. And uh, Rackle says, I can't, I can't wait to see you in Hornchurch. I want to squeeze you. Oh, right. How nice. Yes, 1st of August. <laughs> Anthony Davis and me. Go to the, uh, the website, Queen's Theatre. Uh, Rihanna says, have you got a cough because of the weather? No, I don't know why I get a cough occasionally. Some people do. It's because, it's because I'm super fit, he says, hopefully. Some people around here are super fit. There are certain people around this vicinity who run, you know, professional runners. And, and they do it and they're, they're, they're fit. And then when they stop doing it for a while, they feel a bit bloated. Me, I feel bloated most of the time because I'm not out there running. And I'd love to be one of these people. But you'd, sometimes I'm sort of worried in case I drop dead. I don't want to get... Because you never see happy joggers. They never, they never run with a big smile on their face. Unless they're listening to podcasts from this uh, station. Keith says, slimming tablets do make you lose lots of pounds. Here, do you mean pounds money? <laughs> uh, 84850. Steve, thin around your way. Most of the things I've seen walking through Twickenham are lardies. They don't use nickel elastic. They use swish rail. So, God, you have to be a certain age to remember swish rail. It's glide, wasn't it, or something like that. Has James Whale given you your Christmas wreath yet? No, he hasn't. I'm still waiting from last year. Although he's, he's pictured at Eamon Holmes' wedding in, the, in, the, uh, in OK magazine. There's a picture of James Whale looking well the worse for wear, actually. It always makes me smile. Uh, Howard says, I'm in hospital, about to have an operation to remove a, a cancerous tumour. The hospital doesn't have LBC, so I brought in an old tranny radio. That's an old radio that dresses up in women's clothing. So I can listen to you. You're cheering me up. Before an operation, you see, I, I went in for my operation about this time of the morning. I said, tell a lie, I did the programme first, then I went to go and have my operation. And you try and be big and brave, and I'll tell you why you, be, you become big and brave going for an operation, thank you. It's, uh, it's because you think, they do it every day. You know, on my operation, it was, it was stents. And it was so funny because Peter, who works in, in Lloyd's Bank, uh, has, um, has just had stents put in. He had, a, we think, a heart attack the other week. And the lovely lady who, uh, who has a cigarette with him most days said, oh, Peter had a heart He's had two stents put in. So, of course, it made me sound really pompous. I went, I've got four in. And uh, I said, have you? And, of course, it's like a stent competition. It's a stent competition. How many stents have you got in? And as I was waiting for the operation, you, you sort of, you sit there and you think, they do it every day. They do this every day. This isn't like they're doing an experiment or something. They're doing this every day. So I was fairly confident. I, it, mine just went on a bit longer than I wanted it to. I had three hours in surgery because it, it kind of... Oh, yes, you're awake. Oh, you're awake for the whole thing. You can watch your little heart beating on the television monitors. So if anybody's going in for a stent operation today, there are three television screens. Mine were on the left, so you sort of turn your head. 
I still don't understand, understand this sort of thing about don't wear your pants. I don't understand that bit at all. They, they give you one of these gowns, but there's no back to it. And there's no pants. No, that, do you think it's just me with the no pants thing? <laughs> and then and they put your legs in stirrups. I thought, perhaps I'm in the wrong... Perhaps I'm in the wrong place. Perhaps I'm in childbirth or something. <laughs> there's what? Oh, look, there's the octopus on the television. Look, the octopus is soon going to be served up. Anyway, and... Um, so you sort of you're lying in there and you're waiting for this this operation and they say we well, do this in here and there's people faffing around they they just see you I'm sure as another person to have an operation whereas I'm thinking and of course mine was made worse by the fact that half of the uh, the operating theatre listened to this program because I get no end of people in the NHS who listen just as well I'm always nice about the NHS can you imagine if I've been terrible about the NHS because some people come back with horrendous stories I had a very nice experience I enjoyed the food. I enjoyed everything, actually. I've really had a nice time. I just didn't, I just didn't want to be there. I mean, I, you see, I enjoy anything like that. I think we had beef stew. It was really nice with a dumpling and a bit of potato. I was very, Do you know, when you've had an operation, you're quite hungry. So when you actually come out of the operation, Howard, um, you know, you'll, you'll be hungry. And they probably won't be, if you're having a cancerous tumour, then you're, you're just going to go to sleep, you lucky soul. I was awake for mine, watching the whole thing. Oh, watching my little heart pumping, thinking, go on, keep going, keep going, you fool. Quarter past six. These headlines, Sam Pittis. A 32-year-old woman's been arrested in connection with a fire at... Thank you, Nick. Don't forget, we're talking to, uh, to Darren, just after half past, just after we've had a chat to uh, Sam and found out how we did in the horse racing results. I see JLS are going on tour, and they've apparently approached David Blaine so they can put some magic into the show. Now, my advice is, don't go near David Blaine. He's mad as a box of frogs. And he does street magic. What what you need is somebody who does big magic. You know, there are cer- certain people out there and they do magic for shows. Earth, Wind and Fire, when they played here years ago, they had magic put into their shows where they, I think at one point the drummer revolved and all these sort of strange things that you can do and people appeared and disappeared. And I quite like that. But I wouldn't ask David Blaine. Do you remember him sitting on... I remember him sitting on GMTV with Eamon Holmes, and Eamon was sort of struggling, and, uh, and Eamon said, so, 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 tell me about so-and-so. And David Blaine goes, the hand. And we all went, what? <laughs> he, did, he just pointed to it, and, and so Eamon Holmes went, oh, right, and what, what, what is that? Protection. And I thought, you're mad as a barrel... But, of course, what, what, what the end result was... And what all magicians need, because there are loads of, of better magicians than David Blaine. Let me tell you, there are loads, tons. The difference is, but you never, ever see them because they're out there working and they don't have the weird side. Because to be a magician on television or to go and sit in a perspex box suspended above Tower Bridge or something, you've got to be a bit peculiar. And then he stood on a, a column, didn't he, in America or in a, entombed in ice. That went wrong. And, and there are lo- I mean, I've seen, well, you know, I've known, known magicians for a, practically all my life. But when you watch David Blaine, every so often it will throw up. We had one a short while ago called Dynamo, who was like street kid. And he was, you know, baseball cap and all this. And he was, again, doing exactly the same tricks that everybody else does. It's just that they're, they're then trying to sell it and they bring out DVDs. Most of the DVDs wouldn't appeal to any of you at all. It's appealing to magicians. And that's the biggest market at the moment. Uh, ask my friend Duncan. And uh, and uh, it's very good friends of his, and they they produce magic DVDs because once you've actually made a DVD, and if if you for example pay somebody a thousand pounds to do something, to duplicate the DVD is like ten p every time. It really is. I'm thinking about bringing out a Steve Allen Fitness DVD for Christmas. I mean, I haven't haven't quite got there yet because it means I'm going to have to go out and train with somebody, and I'm, I'm not 
kind of in the right mood. Yes, it's, 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 the, 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 the producers offered to come and train me, but frank, frankly, I mean, we know she just wants to see me in shorts. Okay, that's all. That's all it comes down to. Bit difficult, and she she could cycle next to me with a with a with a megaphone. You know, come on, Steve, pick those legs up. But I don't think you get fit on a bicycle. I think you end up well. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, but I think that all all you get on. Oh, she, oh right, I'll be running. You'll be pedalling. Oh, okay, right. And she would be telling me, you know, pick your feet up. Because I've seen people who, who cycle, and I think you just end up with very strong legs. I don't think you ever... I saw a thing on the television this morning, and it's another thing for, for, for reducing tummy fat. And it's another crackpot American scheme. And it's exactly the same, because you can do the same. You do turn, 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 and do that. That gives you the same effect. And this one is like on a ball bearings, and you put your knees on it and swivel round. I mean, to be honest, it's another piece of stupid equipment you don't ever want. Because we've all got things that we've bought over the years to get us fit. They come on the television, they go, OK, skipping rope. Oh, look, skipping rope. You know, here's a stepmaster. Well, if you live in a house, just walk up the first step, then down. That's exactly the same effect. Or failing that, buy a couple of bricks, you know, and walk up. Or if you've got a garden, up a step, down a step. That's stepping. That's, there's no different. The latest thing they're all doing is spinning. Our weatherman, Chris Lowry, goes spinning. My greengrocer, Paul Cooper, goes spinning. I don't know what it is. I've got... Oh, it's on a bike, is it? Oh, right. See, I thought spinning was where you lay on your back and spun around. It's not. It's on a bike. Oh, that explains it, then. Ah, it's an exercise bike. And the teacher leads the class, and then you pedal, and then slow, and then... Oh, right. Why do they call it spinning, though? What's the point of calling it spinning? Ah, right. See, the other one, which which my friend Bridget is into, is Zumba. Have you seen Zumba? Uh, Basically, dancing. It's dancing. I mean, if you actually go to a disco, a disco, God, how old am I? If you go to a discotheque and you dance every night, you're getting exercise. That's why you see people coming out of clubs. They all look drenched in sweat because they've been dancing all night. When I worked as a disc jockey years ago, I was, I was slim because every night you're dancing. So if you notice, I, I, I mean, I'm actually quite a good dancer. I've got, I've got me, on, me on video. I mean, I am rhythmic on the floor. Yeah, I'm actually not, not bad. I'm not bad at all, actually. Some people around here wouldn't be particularly good. I don't see Chris Lowry being a dancer. I don't know why, I just do not see Chris Lowry as being a dancer. Isn't that funny? You look at some people and you think, are you a dancer? No. It's like, it's like, Darren, it wouldn't be a dancer. Darren would not be a dancer. Certain people just don't do dance. But I sort of grew up doing it. But I've seen Zumba and Anthony Davis, not a dancer. No. Jenny Barnett, I think she would throw herself around the floor with abandon. I think she, I think James Whale would sit at the side. No, she wouldn't be in time, but she would be enthusiastic doing it. James Whale, James Whale would be like your embarrassing uncle from Newcastle. He'd be like, <laughs> like, a bit like that, a little bit robotic. Nick Ferrari would have a go. Nick Ferrari would actually have a go. You've seen him dancing on the telly. Really? Oh, he danced with Julie Peasgood. Oh, right. Oh, OK. And uh, who else here would... Uh, who else? Nick Majerison. He definitely wouldn't dance. Nick Majerison would be a headbanger. He'd be going to one of those things and shaking his head upwards and forwards. Dun, da, dun, da, dun, da, da, da. Nick Conrad would probably be a little bit Zumba. Dun, 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 dun. He's, he's a bit snake hips, yeah. He'd be very good. Uh, uh, Ken Livingston? Not really, no. I don't really see Ken Livingston. James Max, not a cat in Hades chance, I'm afraid. So all in all, actually, we're not, we're not too bad here. But the one who would be enthusiastic, Jenny Barnett, she'd be chatting all the way through. So anyway, Steve, so I talked about this on the show the other day. Give me a hug, give me a hug. <laughs> I must tell you, first of all, two free shows. The Mary Ward Centre Players are presenting The Good Old Days. 
It's a cornucopia of musical comedy. This coming Saturday, which is the 17th of July. I think it could be Saturday and Sunday. It's got Saturday, Saturday on this one from Bob. Uh, at the London Welsh Centre, which is in Gray's Inn Road. If you've been there before, it's well known. Uh, 3 p.m. and 7 p.m. Oh, they're both on Saturday. 3 p.m. So entrance is absolutely free for either show. So there you go. A cornucopia of musical comedy this coming Saturday, the 17th of July, at the London Welsh Centre, which is in Gray's Inn Road. Which is good news, isn't it? So uh, enjoy that if you like singing the songs. Uh, Gordon says, We celebrated Sandra's official birthday on Sunday, and David, Sam and all the staff at Templeton House did us proud with wonderful service and catering. Many of them listen, so could you kindly say another big thank you. So David, Sam and all the staff at Templeton House. Actually, yesterday, Jack Seaton went out to celebrate his birthday. A good time was probably had by all, I should imagine. Strangely enough, Templeton is close to the Priory, and that's my stomach going, incidentally, in case you just wondered what that was. That was my tummy. And it's... I thought it was an aeroplane. Thank you. Sandra's proper birthday today, so wish her a very happy birthday from all of us. And uh, Gordon loves you very much indeed. He says, yes, it's hot, hot, hot and sunny, as usual. Because in Tooting, it's always hot and sunny. It doesn't matter whether it's the middle of winter. It's hot. Actually, talking in the middle of winter, I watched an Alan Titchmarsh programme the other day. I think it's called Seasons. And, you know, it's really nice. It's really, it shows you this, this country going through the seasons. Spring, summer, autumn, winter. And my favourite being winter, of course. But it's just really nice. I like Alan as a, as a presenter. Sometimes, you know, people don't work very well on, on all the programmes that they do. But this one is, is quite nice. I like anything that shows the history of this, uh, of this country. Uh, but, but the seasons, definitely. Love it to pieces. Uh, still into coconut water, says P. Absolutely. I think we started a revolution. Chicklets were not your imagination. They used to be sold in America as well. well I wasn't going mad. I thought I was going a bit balmy, actually, on these things. You remember sometimes. And, uh, and Dee says, chicklets are still available, but in America. Lots of flavours. Well, you see, I don't... I can't remember a flavour with chicklets. I just remember it was square chewing gum and it came in a flat packet. That's all I remember. So not a senior moment, says Mike in Twickenham. It says, widely available in Middle East and Asia. Good luck with the MOT. Well, I don't think it needs luck, actually. don't think it needs luck. Uh, one here says, I love your programme. Get up early, especially to listen. Yes, you remembered correctly. Chicklets, you were right. They, it was like a, a squarish tablet, fruit-flavoured sweet chewing gum. It, was it sweet? You see, I don't remember it. Did some of them come... Oh, now you've asked me. I can't now remember the flavours. It came in flavours, did it? Oh, dear. Um, Brian, on his way to Reading, says, With your legs in stirrups, did the thought go through your mind that you were maybe going to be colonically irrigated? <laughs> I did, you know, to be honest with you, all I remember thinking is, why don't they let you wear your pants? That's all I kept thinking all the way through. And you go in there, and it's like a scene from Animal Hospital, you know, where the Muppets used to be all in there, all gowned up. I don't know why. And, and you go in there, Animal Hospital with the Muppets... And they were all gowned up, Miss Piggy and everybody else. Oh, Kermie. And, uh, and it, was, it was quite funny. And, and they all looked a bit like, I think, Ralph the dog was there, all done up with a little mask. And that's what it looked like. You walk in there, and, it's, and you walk in the morning. You try and chat. But, of course, what they do is they, they push you on the trolley to the door, and then you walk the last bit. I thought, I could have walked from the bed. It didn't make any difference to me. I, I could have made it by myself. And then you have to climb up onto the table, and that's when you start thinking, oh, God. I've got no pants on. It's just not pleasant for anybody. And, and I'm sure they lift it up and have a laugh. We'll probably take a photograph. Guess who this is? Look at that. You'd never guess, would you? Steve Allen. Ah! <laughs> just sit. And then, of course, they give you the happy juice, and by that time, you don't really care. Uh, I have no stents, says Jane, but my artificial hip is 30 years old. Could it be a record? 
No, it's a hip. A record is something you put on a turntable. Something completely different. Surprised you don't know that. 84850, steve at There was also thum- some... something? God, blimey, what's the matter with me today? I've got the wrong teeth in, breaking them in for our dog. Uh, something special taking place, which we'll do before the end of the programme, involving the, uh, the taxi drivers in Londinium. They're off out and about today. Did you read this story? Anthony mentioned it earlier, and I thought Nick will pick up on this. This is a primary school headmaster in London, I think in Edmonton, who received how much? He runs a 335-pupil inner school primary, inner city primary, received £231,000 as pay last year. Added on to that, 45000 in pens- pension contributions. £276,000 a year. It's, that's more than the Prime Minister. London's biggest conversation. Elbows One. Hello. 25 to 7 is the time. Morning, Sam. Good morning. Uh, you need another big win. Oh, yeah. Uh, because you're £58 and a penny in, in debt now. Heartbreak was yesterday exactly that. Came in third. <sighs> yep. And so you lost £2. Not too, I mean, we're not, we're not, you know, falling off a cliff here. We're getting, we're getting decent horses. Penny, we're getting Sam. decent you, horses. Sam. Do you have £58 on you at the moment? You can rectify this situation. I think I've got about £3.20. Well, there you go, then, you see. So it's, it's quite a lot of money. You know, it's, 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 it might only just be a couple of numbers, £58, but if you haven't got £58, it's a fortune. That's true. Whereas Alex Sunley Spinalonga mm. came second. Was he each way? Uh, no, so no, he wasn't. So he hasn't done any better than me, has no, he? Really? Well, no, he's still in profit to £35. Ooh. I mean, in, in fact, he could actually loan you some money. Do you think he would? No. no. <laughs> I don't think so at all. Don't get my hopes up. No, exactly. So today, in keeping with the spirit of the horse racing, is off to the 7.50 at Musselburgh. Ginger Jack, win only. OK. Beverly, Brighton, Musselburgh and Yarmouth are the race meetings. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got an appointment with Beverly at 4.30. Lovely. <laughs> and it's Sorry. <laughs> yeah, careful. <laughs> and it's Tornadoes. Uh, tour as in a tour of duty or a European tour. Tornadoes. Right. But I've been told, I've been specifically instructed by Phil Kitchamalides to go each way. Blimey. I know. Well, I, I, I would have bought bunting for this. I know. You've got each way. Oh, well done. You've fallen out of your chair. Yes, I have nearly fallen out of the chair, except I'm wedged in at the moment, so there's very little chance of me falling out of anything, I'm afraid. But yes, <laughs> uh, I'm assuming that uh, the odds uh, favour favour an each-way bet, so that's what we've gone with. Each-way, and the horse was? Uh, tornadoes. Tornadoes. Excellent. Oh, well. F- lovely. Thank you for that. We'll see you tomorrow. Talk to you tomorrow. Thank you, Steve. Take care. As Sam Pittis. Each-way. No coercing. No coercing straight into it. Actually, still to come... Uh, who are the fastest sprinters and the fastest swimmers? Details in a moment. And also, an animal rights protester has upset a family of bunny lovers. All of that to come. Oh, and the, uh, and the taxi drivers. What are they doing today? You'll find out in, uh, in a moment. Uh, Darren's back with us. Good morning. Morning to you. I must ask you a question, first of all, because Steve has uh, emailed me in, says, I'm working away from home this week, and I thought I could get your show on my iPad, but it only returns a message saying, cannot determine what type of computer you're using, or something similar. He says, how's a fan supposed to stay, stay in touch with his guru? I would reinstall the application. Reinstall the app? Yeah. OK, there you go. Should that, be fine. Yeah, OK. Reinstall the app. Yeah. That's nice when you can help people, isn't it? I know, wonderful. Even on a Tuesday morning at 6.30am. Very overcast. Did it rain last night? Yeah, and it, it's going to yeah. rain today as well. Not as bad as tomorrow. Yeah. Tomorrow you get the thunder. Good. Just, like a bit of drama in my life. We do like a bit of drama, absolutely. Yeah. So we've got three free events. 
I know, and you're going to love the first one. I went to see this the other day, and it's just around the corner from you, so there's no excuse of not going to see it at the National Gallery. It's called... Oh, is this the, uh, um... Um, oh, wait a minute, the fakes? Yeah, Close Examination, yeah. Fakes, Mistakes and Discoveries. And it shows you how, using modern technology, they can work out now whether the paintings in the National uh, Gallery's collection are the real thing, or whether some of them are fakes. And, of course, they have discovered that some of them they paid rather a lot of money for have turned out to be fake. Isn't it amazing how you know these things? Isn't it amazing how well, you they... can do a test? Because it wasn't until we had x-rays that they were able to sometimes look through a painting and discover that there were different yeah. bits on it, but they'd been painted over. Indeed. And another way, way they found out is the pigment in the paints that are used. And uh, if the pigment wasn't available at the time that the painting was supposed to be made, which it wasn't in many of the cases, they've now discovered, of course, it was painted either later, and they show all the different ways that um, these fakes have been made. But, of course, on the other hand, some of the paintings they found have, uh, are worth much more than what they paid for because they've discovered they're by a very famous artist. It's mm. absolutely fascinating. It's in the basement of the National Gallery, and you want to probably want to go more than once to take it all in. Yes. Um, How lovely. It is. It is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Exhibition, so I've been reading all the uh, the bits in the papers, the uh, the Times did a bit in the Telegraph, and I thought, how nice. I must, I must try and get along to see that. Yeah, it is. It's worth going to see and uh, work out whether you can do any fakes. Well, well, we went to see the fakes at the V&A, didn't we, where they had the family yeah. who were doing the fakes in the garden shed. They had a son who could fake anything, and they, and they discovered that it wasn't so much doing the fake, it was the provenance that came with it. Yeah, absolutely. Although this one, this, this, the difference between this one and the one at the National Gallery, they go into much more detail at the National Gallery, and they show you all the X-rays and uh, wow. bits of wood that the pictures have been made on, and found. That obviously, when they X-ray things, they can see what's underneath the painting. Yes, yes. And uh, they did a thing a short while ago where I think they had what they they thought was um, by a student of Caravaggio. Yeah, and. On closer examination, and, th- and they, they were firmly of the opinion that it was a student of Caravaggio in his, uh, in his studio, then it turns out it was a Caravaggio. And, of yeah, course, the price alters quite substantially. Probably add a couple of extra notes to the end of it. Quite a, quite a few extra notes. It's amazing what people will pay. I've often wondered what sort of person will pay up to £32 million for a painting. Uh, and most of these artists died broke. I know. It's always the way, though. Yeah. Um, another one that's free this weekend is the Shoreditch Festival, the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra, playing the proms in the park with a fireworks display as well. There's a dog show and all sorts of other bits and pieces going on as well. So uh, type in Shoreditch Fe- Festival in Google, give you the full rundown on that. And I haven't been to this one yet, but I'm going to go, into, go to it's the Press Photographer's Year down at the National Theatre. Wow. Not the, not the National Gallery. No excuses for not going to see this one because it's open from 10 a.m. until 11 p.m. each day. Mm. It's a long old day down at the National Theatre, and you can go and have a look at some of the best images from 2009 from the press photographers. So, all sorts of famous people and moments in our lives free at the National Theatre. Excellent. Some ideas there. Thank you very much indeed for that. There's a, there's a story in the paper today about um, about a couple of uh, children, Kira Bailey and her brother Harry, keep a rabbit. They have, right. like, like a lot of kids, they have a rabbit and it's in a hutch in the garden and they take it out and they play with it on the lawn and then it goes back in the hutch. Anyway, um, an animal rights protester has stolen it. And what they've done is they, they, they took it 
and they left a note on top of the hutch saying, this is animal cruelty, rabbits should not be left in hutches. Well, of course, as you know, uh, a, a rabbit out in the wild, you know, a rabbit uh, that's been domesticated, is going to survive about five seconds, because exactly. A, it doesn't know what to eat, and secondly, it's going to be prey for every sort of animal, from stoats to eagles. And it's theft. Well, it's even the RSPCA have said it would be highly irresponsible for somebody to release a pet rabbit into the wild. Yeah, I mean, it's just absolutely yeah, appalling, yeah. and these poor children are now devastated. I'm, I'm, as you say, I'm, I'm more worried about the fact that somebody's actually gone into their garden, and it's theft. Mm, it's stolen, you know, stolen somebody's pet rabbit. Oh, there's nothing really you can say to that, apart from, oh dear, very sad. Just sad. Talk to you mm. on uh, Sunday, but you're with Petri on Friday. Can't wait. Excellent. Thank you very much indeed. There's Darren. You can check out the uh, Gadget Guru's page on the LBC website, lbc.co.uk. Incidentally, there are all the photographs of that fire in Kingston. When I heard it on the news yesterday, I thought they meant Kingston, Jamaica. And I was seriously thinking, I was looking at these flats thinking that an awful lot familiar. I thought Kingston, Jamaica's got the same flats that we've got. I thought Kingston, Jamaica. I never thought that it was Kingston down the road for me. I wonder what all the kerfuffle was and fire engines whizzing backwards and forwards and everything. Anyway, it now turns out that a woman of... Uh, 32 has been arrested in connection with the uh, fire. I mean, it looked devastating. If you want to see the pictures, go to the LBC website, lbc.co.uk. Actually, there's loads of stuff on the LBC website. Keep you occupied all day and longer. All the pictures of my baskets, my contributors, and, uh, and a day in the life, as they say. But do you, they, they were talking in the paper yesterday about uh, the swiftest sprinters in the world. And they've come up with a theory. This was in Metro yesterday. In the record books, the swiftest sprinters tend to be black. And the fastest swimmers tend to be white. And nobody could work out until now. And it all comes down to the centre of gravity. Okay, Scientists have worked out that white people from European and Asian... Uh, and Asia, tend to have longer torsos, so the centre of gravity is lower, making them better swimmers. The reverse is true of black people, and so it makes them better runners. And if you think about it, I mean, all the best runners, you know, we have a few white, but they're mainly black. They're mainly black because they've got different torsos. And when it comes to swimming, you don't see that many black swimmers, because they're all too busy running. Whereas I would love... The one thing, if, if I could wave a magic wand... First of all, I want to speak... And I've tried to get... She won't teach me. I want to speak fluent Cantonese. And the other thing I'd love to do, because I've got a fear of it, is dive. I would love to be able to climb up a diving board and dive off the... But frankly, I get sweaty palms even thinking and looking at it on the television. And I think, oh, that's lovely. Oh, my God. I would get to the top and I would be scared. I get scared leaning over a parapet. There was a... Um, a picture in the paper the other week of a lovely flat that's on sale. It might be Bangkok. And it ha it's got an infinity swimming pool at the top of this office block. But it's a it's block of flats now. And, and at the edge, there is no edge. The pool just... It's there. And I thought, I'd be frightened out of my life. What fears have you overcome? I couldn't, I couldn't do this. Sort of, I'd be terrified to go near the edge. I have, I have a dread fear of being on the edge of any building... Sitting there and look, there's nothing underneath you to stop you dropping out. I told you, when Dale and I went to um, Copenhagen, wonderful, wonderful Copenhagen, we went there some years ago, and the hotel windows, you could open fully. And there was nothing to stop you dropping it. Well, it frightened the life out of me. You see, in, in Japan, the producer's um, family had that in Japan. Oh, friend, was it? Oh, right. Chinese. And, um, 
and you could open the windows, and I'm thinking, this is too dangerous. 50, well, we were about 18 floors up, and I looked out and thought, it's, a, it's vertical. It's absolutely terrible. What fears have you overcome? Do send me your, uh, your text, 84850, steve at with the headline, Sam Pittis. A 32-year-old woman's been arrested in connection with a fire at a tower block in Kingwood. Scotty in the White City said we had two magicians uh, going from table to table at my wedding and the response was amazing. I know, they don't come in cheap. If, you, if you're going to book a magician for, for a wedding or something like that, they, if, if they're a good close-up magician, they don't come cheap. You know, I, I remember years ago I bought one for my brother's ex-girlfriend's son's 21st... Very confusing. Birthday. I mean, try and get this one, your head around that. And, and I think I paid 150 Now, that's very reasonable. I've heard of magicians going... In fact, who was it? Somebody asked me a short while ago. They said, oh, I'd love a magician for my wedding. I said, listen, if you're going to get a good close-up, you can run anything, you know, £1,000 for a really good close-up magician because they're, they're the best. You know, they're, but they're, they're certainly not cheap. Lynn in Bushy says, perhaps they make you take your pants off while in the operating theatre, believing the embarrassment would take your mind off the surgery. No, it didn't. <laughs> no, I'll tell you what takes your mind off the surgery, the happy juice they put into this hand. That was the one that goes in that you think, oh, I'll have a bit. In fact, at one point, I did ask for more. I felt a little bit like Oliver. Excuse me, sir, is it, is it hello? Is it uh, anybody listening to me? Hello, I'm down here. Like floating out of your body, having an ethereal experience. Uh, Janice Dickinson is on uh, Come Dine With Me. Uh, tacky. Tacky, tacky American so-called model. A most peculiar person whose career uh, revolves mainly around appearing on shows in this country. She's doing Come Dine With Me with the incredibly uh, wonderful Callum Best. <laughs> uh, Samantha Fox. God knows what she's doing on there. And um, ageing juvenile. Um, I've forgotten his name now. What's his name? I can't remember his name, actually. It's completely gone. The, the one... Oh, Jeff, Jeff Brazier. The one who's actually got the, uh, the five-year-old boy's haircut, which looks a bit old on a face that's ageing. You know, give him a modern hairstyle. He's got this funny little thing with a parting in it. It looks a little bit peculiar, but there you go. And, um, you know, I'm sure it'll do very well. It's on Thursday, I think, on OITV. Because we haven't had a celebrity come dine with me for some time. I don't think we're going to be having one on Thursday. Uh, Mark, my friend, is down the top tonight in Twickenham as even Marks between 9 and 11. He said, come on down, it'd be nice to see you. I'm in bed at 7. A lot of people say, would you like to pop out, you know, when I go to bed at about 7? In fact, 7 is considered quite a late night for me. Quite a late night. Uh, Jenny says, I've just had beetroot and tuna and rye vita for breakfast. How odd is that? Well, if you're pregnant, it's not at all odd. Quite normal, I think. Uh, Joy says, uh, happy birthday to Pat today from Joy and Richard. She's celebrating with lunch in Church Street. Happy birthday, Pat. She's good. And uh, one here says, I've uh, seen your uh, display in Jolly Old Twickers on the LBC website. And uh, he says, I attach a photo of one of our pots by the front door of the home we bought. The pots stand in Spain near our other home. And uh, Shirley did it. Have a quick look at this one, Rob. He comes from... Well, that's not bad, actually. That's, that, that's quite impressive. You can do... A, the trouble is, you know what's going to happen with this pot here? And you haven't deadheaded, I've noticed, some of the uh, geraniums. I can spot a deadheading pot. And it's quite nice, all this stuff here. It's going very well. In fact, some of the dead. But the lobelia is going to go the first. And once the lobelia goes, it, it, you need to put something else in. I do have lobelia in some of my hanging baskets. If you've been to the LBC website. And I've got some lobelia in some of my... In fact, I'm looking at it today, because today... We've got the man coming round to start stripping the patio of all the pots before we have the patio re-dug up and relaid. Uh, belated birthday request to Spencer and Shepherds Bush from Fiona. And uh, I would say letting any domesticated animal run free is far more cruel. I agree. And Tanya says, 
Uh, my fear is the same as yours. I feel your pain. We stayed in a five-star hotel a number of years ago, got upgraded to the presidential suite, which had a massive balcony, but massive gaps where the girls could have fallen through. I couldn't bring myself to... I know. My fr- Paul Savory had he used to have a flat down at Victoria, and out of his sitting room was a glass veranda. And, and I stood... Well, I couldn't stand on it. I felt ill. He had a gl- I mean, luckily, he's actually... He's actually sort of... Um, He's, he's moved from there now, and I looked at and I said, I'm not standing on that. And it was just a piece of glass sticking out from the wall with a... Oh, it was terrible. Absolutely terrible. I would love to come to your show, Steve, but I have a fear, maybe, of taking the mic out of me because I'm a large lady. Well, we'd never get you in the seat for a start. You'd have to have two seats. But that's good. I don't mind two seats. No, we have all sorts of people. Let's face it, there'll be people on the stage probably bigger than you, so I wouldn't worry about things like that. Heavens above. 84850, steve at Oh, I've just pushed the wrong bloody button there, actually. I don't know what I've done with that. So that's good, actually. So people standing on balconies is a bit of a fear. Now, I know that the London taxi drivers are out again. The London taxi drivers fund for the underprivileged children, and they're taking a number of disadvantaged children today to their legendary outing to Southend. 300... 300 special needs and disadvantaged children. So they're decorating the taxes, even as I speak, in Victoria Park. And uh, Raymond, morning Raymond, says you can just give them a bit of a shouter. If you see them, they're going to go, de- they have balloons on all the taxes. They always do it every year. They raise a lot of money. And he says, thank you for the support you give us. My wife, Ma- Maureen, loves you. Yeah, well, how much does she love me? You know, I mean, put this way, while you're away, she's at home. Anyway, <laughs> don't want to worry you in any way, Raymond. So listen, have a, have a good day out, guys. They go down, they go down to South End, they give them a, a good day out, and all the, all the cabs are decorated with balloons. There'll be a big convoy of them, so 300, you can work out how many cabs there's going to be if there's 300 uh, kids going down to South End. So have a, have a good day out. The kids come back exhausted. I hope the weather is kind to you today. You don't want it too hot. If actually today could be the best thing, if you get the opportunity, do the... Is it the Peter Pan playground? That's where I went down there. This is the one where my goddaughter, who's now 15... I mean, it's quite ridiculous. It was only yesterday she was crawling on her hands and knees. That's when she was 13. And, um, and, and we went to this, on, on this, this roller coaster ride, and... Oh, my goodness. Don't do it, Raymond. You get to a certain age and you can't do it. But uh, there's all sorts of things. They can sit on the seafront, they can have chips, ice cream, do anything they like. Anything they like. So good luck to everybody down there. We're big fans of the London Taxi Drivers Fund for underprivileged children. Have a, a nice day down there. Nick Ferrari after the news at seven this morning. Mark Constantine, Constantine, managing director of Lush, uh, is in to do the papers today. He's get, I mean, he must be talking about the uh, the thing that we were talking about earlier on at the beginning of the programme, and uh, you can't quite get your head round it. It started yesterday. The Sun have now discovered eighteen thousand people have uh, have written tributes to Raoul Moet. Uh, on, a, on a Facebook page, saying, you know, never forgotten, should not have happened, sadly missed from your pals, and you think, the man was a murdering pervert. Excuse me, what sort of... What, well, these people have been writing to Hitler as well, and going, oh, you, what a great job you did. His death scene has become a shrine. There are pictures of, let's just call them rather stupid people, laying flowers, people having their pictures taken, you know, families of the, the drain where he hid out. Are these people right in the head or something? What's the matter with them? 18,000. The victim's mother says, what about my son? I absolutely agree with you. Absolutely agree. But as I say, they are the sort of people... You're only going to look at pictures of them. You realise what sort of people they are. Uh, one in five Britons will be ethnic in 40, 40 years' time, they say. One in five of Britain's population will be from an ethnic minority. Uh, one for the ladies in Express today. Yes, there is life after the menopause. 
So says a former Coronation Street uh, actress. The Mail today, are you allergic to sunshine? I am. I hate it. I absolutely hate the sunshine. The uh, the primary head on £276,000 a year. It's an absolute disgrace. I've never heard of money like that. I mean, that's it's above that's more than radio presenters. It's ludicrous. 276,523. That's 70,000 more than the head of Eton College. 70,000 more than the head. They'll be talking about that today. And do you remember the £2 million uh, home that the asylum scrounger, according to the Daily Star, uh, has got? Well, they've all been down there, and apparently uh, ministers have said, no, we're going to change the rule. This is just ludicrous to have people who don't work in a £2 million house. Shouldn't imagine the people who own the house are complaining too much because they get the money. Do check out the LBC website. Good luck to the taxi drivers off to South End today. I'll pray for uh, a bit of sunshine for when you get down there and ice creams and chips and sausages and burgers and things like that. I wish you a, a pleasant day as well. I'm back with you tomorrow morning at five. Nick Ferrari and his guests and you on the phone with you after the news at seven. Before all of that, it's the business update with Sam Pittis. Thank you, Steve. The FTSE will open after closing up 34 points at 51.